Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. Matt Messiano here and Jordan Weimer with me as well. We also have a newcomer to the show. You may be familiar with his regular Twitter space chats. It's Charlie Zazera. Welcome, Charlie. Hi, Matthew. Hi, Jordan. Thanks for having me on. Firstly, thanking you for, for, for doing the, um, the, the Twitter space chats and asking you how you kind of got started with it. Yeah, all a creation out of lockdown, really. Um, there was a period of time when we couldn't go to games um, and it was just to fill that void, really. I jumped on Clubhouse really liked the idea of connecting with like-minded people sort of wanted to speak to Watford fans and there seemed to be an appetite for it and since then I've been encouraged to continue doing them and it's been great love speaking to different fans love the different uh, interesting interactions the different points of view uh, we spoke to Danny Weber a couple of weeks ago and we're looking to try and speak to other ex-players and people connected to the club so no, thank you for you two for, uh, for coming on and speaking yeah, that's great. Um, I really enjoy it. And uh, yeah, you've had some big names as well. Danny Webber, you mentioned. You've also had some big uh, journalists on as well. Yeah, no, Adam, Adam Leventhal's brilliant when he comes on. He's, he's really open with his time. And um, yeah, there's loads of great people who come on. Everyone's got that same passion and desire for Watford. So um, you feel on that level playing field. So it's, it's, yeah, it's really enjoyable. I remember we talked with Marvin Sordell. Was that on Clubhouse or Spaces? I can't even remember now. Yeah, I think that was Clubhouse back in the day. That yeah. It feels back in back in the day, but um, yeah, it was Marvin, like back in the day. Yeah, he he was a good guest. Um, he, he's a nice guy, and how good was he when he burst onto the scene for Watford? I thought we had a real player on our hands. Yeah, let's start off then by by chatting about uh, the first of two games that we're going to cover. Uh, it's always awkward for us to to try and get a, a midweek game with with our hectic schedule, so we're going to be talking about the Bulls one first, and then probably moving very swiftly on to the Saints one, because I'm sure that's the one that we most likely want to talk about more. But, um, oh, that, I mean, that game, it was, you know how usually I'm quite upbeat when it comes to the, the podcast. And I try and, I try and bring, um, you know, a bit of positivity, but I found it very difficult to be positive. In fact, I was, I was watching a stream of that game after the third goal went in. I just shut the laptop. I couldn't, I couldn't watch the rest of the game. I, I eventually you know, stuck it on for the second half. But I, I missed a good chunk of the first half after those, after that third goal went, and I, I couldn't handle it. I don't know, how did how was you feeling, Charlie? Yeah, when uh, that third goal went in, I was looking at the exit sign. And when you're not the designated, <laughs> when you're not the designated driver, you know you've got to stomach it for the rest of the game. But um, yeah, no, it's really, really disappointing. It was just a complete capitulation. Um, I actually thought we started the game pretty solid like we were going forward I think there was a kind of penalty offside decision we thought we had a penalty at one point um and then after the first goal just really really soft poor defending after that it was just a like an inexcusable collapse where 
the players' heads just went. Um, and yeah, after that, the game was a bit of nothing. It'd be interesting to see what Jordan has to say about the stats in terms of what what we did well. But I know Josh King had a chance, which he should have scored. But after that 3-0, the life was gone out of us. And another another really, really disappointed game this season. Yeah, Jordan, what was your feeling of it? Yeah, I mean... There's not too much to extrapolate from that sort of game. I think it was uh, almost a complete capitulation. And obviously the the speed of the goals kind of between the 13th, 21st minute, you're conceding three. Um, as Charlie says there, the body language of the player, everything uh, instantly instantly dropped. And we, we saw that real just shift in, in, in body language and attitude and approach. And you just knew the players were there on the pitch to see out the game after that. And that's a real disappointment, especially for obviously, of course, people that have travelled, let alone anyone that's watching or any fan of of Watford in general, it's just a it's just a terrible, terrible game. Uh, I, I'm sure it would go down as one of the worst in, in regards to away performances and away games to go to. So, look in, in terms of how we approach things, it was again, as I said earlier, hard to take away too much because the game was gone so quickly. It was it was hard to really see uh, if there was really anything in particular we'd try to do differently. But look, it was a, it was a bad performance, and um, thankfully we've got at least a. Uh, another another game to talk about here on top yeah. of it and maybe it's a blessing in disguise we couldn't cover this one at the time because uh yeah there's a lot of negative feelings of course in every way you looked in, in regards to what whether it be twitter or yeah. or whatever yeah bad one bad one but we move on what watford have been beaten by you know large score lines in the past but um you know very often it's because we've been playing against a superior team with with vast amounts of quality but you know it seemed like almost every goal uh, scored against Wolves, maybe with the exception of the last one, was down to mistakes that we made. Yeah, I mean, it, it was part of the other. The Wolves are a better team than us, I think. I think they simply are at this point. But um, yeah, it was it was terrible performances individually. You know, as a collective, there's a lot of poor performances there. Um, and look, Wolves are just a, a more organised, more efficient team, and they, it just showed the quality. And I don't necessarily mean the quality of an individual player, but it shows the quality of of that team in unison how. How effective that can be, and how how disjointed we can look, which is obviously a worrying sign when you're when you're in a relegation battle. Contrast to that, obviously we've we've seen ourselves perform better uh, away from home. You know, Villa, obviously Southampton, we'll talk about it in a minute, but uh, we are capable of more. I think that almost makes it worse. It's one thing if you've got a team that's really trying their best, and you know they're playing above their level, uh, but you can at least see that they're trying to do something, and the head coach is trying to do something to give you a competitive edge. Uh, kind of you know increase the sum of the parts and, and make them more a more effective team. But when you've got players out there and a team out there which is just playing such so far below their standards, it, it, it is a frustrating time. So yeah, it's um it, it was certainly disappointing. I don't think there's any any doubt about that. I don't know what you guys um, thought about Roy Hodgson's comments afterwards when he, I think uh, Emma Saunders asked, "What did you say at half time?" And he talked about the players' attitude going in the second half trying to draw the second half and making sure it wasn't a big scoreline. Um, I don't know if I'm looking at that too negative, but as a fan, do you not want to see some fight? Do you not want to see us going into it? And if that's coming from the manager, just to write that game off and plan for Southampton. Maybe that was the right thing to do. So we didn't exert ourselves. Um, and then we got into a good shape, which obviously got us the win against Southampton. So what did you guys make of those comments? Yeah, you know what? Retrospectively, maybe maybe it was the right thing, but I... I, I'm like you, Charlie. I want. I always want us to be competitive in a game, and um, I, I never want to throw the towel in, in. You know, at any point. You know, even if there's five minutes left to go. I mean, in my mind, that's five minutes where we could get a consolation. You know, I, I, and, and I think even something like that can 
help the team, you know, galvanize and, and you know, think about something positive and, and try and take positives away from the game. And I'm sure that's something that managers will want to try and take away as well so that they can analyze every game that they, that, that, you know, that they have and they can say, right, this is what we did bad. This is what we did well. And I, I was found... Uh, I found it very difficult to, to take anything away from that Wolves game that was positive. And so, you know, I can imagine that um, the, the players themselves probably felt quite disappointed and, and, and you know, dejected. And, um, you know, I just, I, I, I'm I'm almost actually in awe of them a little bit. They managed to pull their socks up for their Southampton game because if that had been myself, I, I'd have been very low down after that defeat, I can tell you. Jordan? Uh, yeah, I don't like the comment personally. Um I think it's a bit of a strange one. It, look, you're 3-0 down at half-time. There's still, if you get a goal early in the second half, there's still an opportunity to come back into that game. And being in a situation we're in, of course, we've talked about quite a lot how points aren't quite enough. Having said that, you know, a point would have been much better than losing 4-0. So to not at least go for that, not at least attempt to play in that manner is, is disappointing if that is the kind of route that was taken. Also, I think there's something to be said about momentum. And if, if you use that second half to at least experiment, you know, I think we're past this. I think we're probably not going to be looking at this as a goal difference issue between staying up and not. So you can consolidate, but you're funneled down. I would, I would happily go out there and try and score, try and create a little bit of, uh, just a little bit of flow in that forward line, even just trying to try a few different things, perhaps maybe try something else you've been working on. If you are going to actually write that game off in your head, why write it off just to go through the motions and, you know, maybe you just want to avoid avoid injuries if you can, but you know I think we're past that. I think we try and get something out of the game and and, and go for it. And if not, then at least try and get something positive and try and build some confidence in in some certain in some players. But yeah, I mean, if if we did just go out there just to see out the rest of the game, but you know, I mean, we didn't draw the second half either. So at least go out to get some nutmegs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, getting that nutmeg uh, tally up. Uh, we're still top, aren't we, of the table? I believe so. I think we've got another couple of the weekend. So, yeah, all is looking good. Good stuff. Um, moving on from that Wolves game then, Charlie, you do a, uh, as, as we said already, you know, you do a, a Twitter spaces before every game. What was the mood like from the fans that you had on uh, and the people that you, you had on talking about the, the Southampton game? Dower. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like that's uh, been the tone mainly this season, which has been, Quite difficult because you, do you know what I mean? You just want to be a good mood. You want to enjoy your football. Um, but when you're asking people honestly, do they think that Watford can put in a good performance? Um, how do you think they react? And I, I was on a, I got asked to do a YouTube channel yesterday, and we're talking about the relegation and like the Leeds fans are buzzing, really positive. And I just have to be honest with the evidence that I've seen. But the mood ahead of the Southampton game was like most other games this season. Um, pretty worried, thinking we'd get beaten again. We had a Saints fan on who, um, to be fair to him, he actually said they're, they're on the beach. There's an opportunity there for us, which we didn't believe at the time. But um, yeah, going into that game, uh, little little confidence. Jordan, I think I was probably about the same sort of place. I, I felt as though we were, you know, after that Wolves game, it was it was almost confirmed in, in some ways that... Uh, that you know, relegation is is beckoning, but um, maybe, 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 maybe that little bit of hope has come back now because, of course, we had Southampton and we picked up a victory that uh, I don't think a lot of people are expecting. And we're we're always hopeful, but it you know, just as as Charlie was saying there, the the way the season has gone, I don't know if many people, particularly against Southampton, who seem to always do a job in us, it was it was nice to pick up some some points. 
Yeah, of course. Look, I think we're, we've always, I mean, look, we're still in, in with the chance. We have, we do have quality in the team. I know there's been, there's been issues and kind of discussion about recruitment over the last couple of years and so on. But I think you can definitely say there is enough quality in there to win games. It's just a case of can we do it consistently enough? Do we have the right approach? Are we set up in the right way? Do the players have the right mentality in these games? And not every game they do. The Wolves game, they certainly didn't. But this game against Villa, I thought they looked more aggressive. They were fighting a little bit more, a little bit more energy. Of course, not just the goals, but I thought the energy from the start of Chucho Hernandez was really, um, really telling and how much different it can make that team look. You're playing on the front foot. You're playing with a little bit of aggression, a little bit of, little bit of forward thinking in, in the way we're pressing and, and trying to get players around the around the edge of the box and put Southampton under pressure. So it is possible that we do we do get something out of it. And there are teams that are that are falling and you know dropping as well. And I know obviously there were some disappointing results around the table around the league, sorry, after that result for us. But um there is still a chance. And I think we it, it's we're a strange team. Um we as I said, we have that individual talent to win games, to turn games around and it's very hard to know what what the team you're going to see turn up at, at the weekend. Cause it's always it's always kind of you're, you're flipping a coin each time, and I think obviously we couldn't see too big a contrast in the ones we saw uh, with Wolves and Southampton back to back. Were there any tactical changes that you that you could see that that differed from the Wolves game going into the Southampton one, Jordan? I mean, apart from what I just touched on, there was the main thing. I think Roy Hodgson is very consistent in how he how he approaches things. This this was a little bit different in the sense that. As I said, the players were a little bit more, a little bit more edgy, a little bit more bite. And it's hard. To, the thing is, it's hard to tell um, with, with Hodgson. I, I don't really know if that's necessarily a case of instruction or uh, whether it's a, a case of kind of infectious pressing. Whether that be from from Chucho or, or Dennis that are just kind of spurring players around him because obviously Chucho's ch- uh, chasing someone down or Dennis is chasing someone down and there's a loose pass or you know a, a deflected pass and then suddenly someone's jumping onto that and just that momentum just builds over the course of the game and there's a good. 10, 15, 20 minute spell where that was just continuous and Musa Sissoko was driving forwards and winning the ball back and there was just lots of energy. Um, it's very difficult to tell whether that was just players or whether that was coaching or a bit of both but that was the main thing that we saw that was different and that was the main improvement I think as well. It's something that's really been lacking for us especially you know, when we, we're, we're a team that don't want to go a goal down. We can't afford to because we struggle so hard to get back into games mm. and to have that instant quick start I think it's important for us and to put teams under pressure because We've touched on before. We might lack some quality, but we do have a good team, a good group of athletes, and I think you can utilize that athleticism in a in a way which can which can help your team. And I'm not saying we should always do the same thing. We got we got to manage games in, in certain ways. I know Roy has ways he likes to do it, but we also do have the ability to disrupt teams, and we saw that in in parts under Ranieri, um, but it never really kind of came through consistently. But we we saw elements of that again uh, against Southampton. I think that's the biggest change. Uh, and it was definitely the, the most positive because it really did, it really did put Southampton into some uh, uncomfortable situations, which we imagined to capitalise on. Mm. Obviously, Chucho was the was the star of the show. Charlie, what did you make of him? Yeah, really impressive. I've seen him quite a fair few times this season, and I, if I'm honest, I didn't think he had that physicality and to impose himself on games. But I think what he might lack in physicality, he he brings forward in work rate and and good quality. Like he scored some. Really good goals this season. Even <laughs> yeah. when I, even um, against Man City, that goal that wasn't an easy chance. Um, I've, I've heard that apparently he's the best finisher at the club. That's what the players say in training. Um, and if that's the case, we, we need we need people who are going to be clinical. Really impressive him. Like, like Jordan said, his energy, leading line, pressing. But I think the thing that I'm surprised the most about, which I'm happy about, is his quality and calmness in front of goal. That first goal. Is not an easy finish, not at all. Running away from goal, 
I think it's his weaker foot and he's only got a small area to aim for and he, he just about gets it. Um, and that second one is, is, is beautiful. Um, really nice ball in from uh, Kuchka, who deserves a mention because he was really good in the game. Yeah. And uh, he, he, he's hit that. He could easily fling his foot at that and that could, that could hit the Watford fans, but he's controlled it. He's put it in an area, kept it down. And uh, he's, let's be honest, he's won us that game. So all aboard the Cucho Express. He <laughs> seems to be really benefiting, Jordan, from uh, the absence of Saar. Yeah, I mean, just, just getting minutes off the pitch from the start is, is obviously hugely beneficial for him. Um, but I, I like that. I like the way we had that front three operating. I think having uh, having the options we do in the forward areas, and you look at uh, Hernandez, uh, Pedro, Saar, Dennis, King, all players that can play wide, they can play narrow, uh, in, in the central positions. And, and giving them that freedom just to kind of move around and, and, and pop up in other areas, not be so rigid. Uh, I mean, you look at the goal uh, Chicho scored, the first goal, he's kind of coming right across. I know he's chasing down, but he's coming right across the other side of the pitch. He's starting from the right, coming to the left. He's allowed to have that movement, and that's in and out of possession. As long as you're defensively in shape when needed, as long as the players have the understanding, it gives us a little bit a little bit of flexibility. And I think he, he thrives in that because he does have that energy. He does have that, that kind of that, that pressure that he can provide. And then on the ball, of course, he can be dynamic. He can be a little bit wasteful in possession. I think sometimes he kind of likes to cut in, especially if he's playing on the left. He'll often cut in and have that kind of hybrid cross shot towards goal um, that you see quite often. But I think on the right, it was quite useful just the way he would run with the ball, travel with the ball, and just close down the opposition. Because once he gets into the box, as we said, he's dangerous. And he's also, I kind of discussed this a little bit during the game, but he's someone that gives you the opportunity to have shots uh, and get have attempts on goal from awkward positions. He's... He's, again, another athlete. He's able to to kind of manipulate his body and, and work shots other players wouldn't be able to get accurately on target. And he's someone that can that can give us new avenues towards goal, which is something we should always be looking for. And, you know, the two finishes that you, we saw from that game, you know, you, you, I had to ask if anyone else could do that. You're probably just going to say that Chicho is the best option because he, he is one of those guys that can do that. We've seen him attempt it a few times. We've seen some, obviously, some acrobatic goals from him previously. And I think he is a weapon to be used. And I'm, I'm sure we'll see him now. Uh, quite heavily uh, between now and the end of the season, and he seems like he's got a real lovely affinity with the fans. You know, they 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 love him, and he he enjoys playing for them. He also uh, has a, a a friendship, or at least it seems like, with um, Jao Pedro. Those two seem to enjoy playing with each other as well, and it's nice to see that on on the pitch, uh, Charlie. Yeah, just so nice to see Watford players smiling, and that transcends to the fans. But um, I think Cucho has got that South American flair that passion for the game where you can tell like obviously he's been on loan for four years before he came to us um but he's come in he's worked hard he hasn't played a lot but whenever he has come on you he's one of those players that you can never you can never deny puts in a shift which is great to see and as for Jao Pedro I, I think we're so close to seeing something special from him I think there was a moment in the second half when he he, he beat he beat their right back and he chipped it over someone and thought, could he volley it in like Gazaresque? I think he's such a good player and I would just love to see him have more and more minutes because I think at any moment he could do something special. And if we can keep hold of him next season, whether in the Championship or the Premier League, I think that would be a massive deal. And seeing them two together, two young lads enjoying their football um, and linking up pretty well, I think it's good to see. Yeah. A number of players had a good game uh, on on Sunday. You mentioned already Kuchka. I thought he um, had one of his better games for Watford. Um, I, th- I probably would say I think he should he should be scoring uh, at least one of those uh, attempts that he had. But to be fair, you know he put in a great cross for for, for Kucho's second, and you know he had a all round decent game. 
Um, I also want to um, highlight Cabaselli as well, who um, you know hasn't featured a lot, obviously, because of because uh, of injury. But um, you know, he had a pretty solid game, Jordan. Yeah, he, he, I mean, he, he did pretty well. I think you're always—I hate to say—you're always expecting some some moment from Cavaselli that kind of puts you in the awkward position. But he, yeah, he defended well. He he can be a very adequate defender, and obviously, it was is difficult for him coming in uh, to that to that sort of game. And uh, I thought he handled himself pretty well for the most part. He definitely didn't didn't have any real costly errors. Uh, defending from from the centre back position, I thought was overall pretty good. I, I, was you surprised the change was made, given that Cathcart seems to be you know fairly fit? available yeah i mean I'm, I'm guessing there's probably some issue uh i i would be surprised if it's purely down to, to select like, choice um i think cathcart's someone that we felt is most likely to be in, in, included when possible but there is some element i mean they're not you can't really call them like like they're quite different players but um i'd imagine there'd probably be some some level of fitness issue there that'd be my guess i might be completely wrong maybe roy just saw enough in training and thought he wanted to give him a go and I thought he would do that, but just knowing how Roy normally operates, I wouldn't say you've seen enough wrong from Cathcart to to change that. Although perhaps it's also a reactionary uh, move from the from the Wolves game, so not not entirely sure to be honest with you. When he came on against Wolves, he came in at right back, um, and he did he did a pretty good job. He was pretty solid. So I don't know if that was Roy um, mm. rewarding him for his hard work in training and a good performance. Yeah, I mean, if, if there are. Um defensive injury worries then uh it's good news that uh nicholas and Kulu played a, an under 23 game today you know perhaps he could be in contention especially after this uh this this break that we've got now coming up for for the uh, for the liverpool fixture yeah that'd be a that'd be a handy one to have i think he he was he was quite promising and, and the performances we saw from him and i think a lot felt that he would be one of the starting center backs the remainder of the season should he be available so that would obviously be quite a big boost to have him back and actually ready to play after this break i think Still a shame that uh, Sheralta isn't really getting a look in though. I mean, it doesn't seem like he's had a fair crack at the whip under Roy, does he? Yeah, well, he's not been fancy, does he, by a couple now? So it's it's it's, it's interesting. It's unfortunate. I think we all felt pretty confident that he was he was going to be the, the the defender you kind of built around. I mean, going up and the season got promoted, it was the same every week once he started playing. It was Syriata plus whoever. Really, really disappointed. I, I thought at the end of last season he could be a player who could be looking to move on from us, and we could be getting a big bit of money for him looking at the profile of the player um he's a chilly international um every time in last season i thought it was a massive massive reason that we had the best defensive record joint best defensive championship record ever um he's not getting fancied you don't know if it's an attitude problem um he had that he started against wolves didn't he and he he, he made a mistake for the goal but it mm. doesn't seem like he's had a look in since but really really frustrating because the way the type of player he is and the attitude he shows for a game, he's really endearing to the fans. And I thought he could have been someone that we could kind of hang hung our hat on. But it'd be interesting to speak to more Ranieri, Roy, and see why he's not more up the pecking order. Because at the start of the season, if you said he would have been our fifth, sixth choice centre back, you'd have laughed. You'd have laughed. So disappointing, really. Yeah, wasn't fancied by Ivic either, was he? Uh, it was. Um... Munoz, who, who who liked him, but um, yep, currently out of the uh, of the frame at the minute. Uh, looking at the, the the table, results have gone our way, which has kind of helped our hope be renewed a little bit um, after that uh, positive Southampton performance and importantly the, the three points. And, and when you look at the um, the fixtures that are still to come, uh, if we ignore 
Liverpool for a second. We've got some massive games against those uh, teams that are right down the bottom where we're with us. Like, you know, Leeds, Burnley and Everton to come, as well as Brentford as well, who um, I, I suppose, you know, you'd have to say are a bit further up, but still definitely one of those teams that we should be highlighting. I, I think even though technically it's not in our own hands because of the place where we are and the games in hand that some teams have on us, it still kind of is in our own hands in a, in a, in a way. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, it's still it's still close enough that if we win enough games, we we're going to be within a shout of staying up. That's the that's the ultimate thing to be looking at. Um, and as you said, there's teams around us that we still got to play. Uh, we do still have to play. I believe we still have to play all three of the top three currently. Uh, that is one issue, obviously. But apart from that, we we do have some some favorable fixtures in terms of us picking up points. So I think as long as we keep keep showing that we are capable of getting some results there's always that possibility i just keep ourselves in the race and i I kind of feel like it was a similar situation the last time we got relegated to we always felt like we were then we kept slipping up but somehow we were still in the shout to stay up and it went down to the last day didn't it so as long as we keep trying to kind of turning up these games getting some unexpected points getting some wins then yeah we've got a chance of uh, of staying up still and unbelievably so we we do actually have that chance how are you feeling about uh survival Charlie, what's what? Where, where are you? Where are you at the minute? I'm, I'm still scarred from that that um, Norwich game at home. Um, the big build up. Yeah. If we won that, we would have been um, we would have been clear of the relegation zone. I think if and you the lose Palace game <laughs> and the Wolves game, I mean, all... I did, yeah. for, for me, it was the Norwich game that was the real kicker. Um, the big build up. We would have had a bit, big bit of daylight between us and uh, I think 17th or 18th. Um, and we're talking about everyone from outside of Watford is talking about our home fixtures um, that we've got left Leeds, Brentford, Burnley, Everton, which on paper looks good, but 12 games this season and I haven't seen us win once. <laughs> oh, um, no. And quite a few of those have been at home and our home form this season has just been dreadful. I don't know if the players feel added pressure, but we drew 1-1 to Newcastle. Um, we lost 1-0 to Southampton. West Ham got battered 4-1, Norwich 3-0, Brighton, Wolves. It's, that, that's my fear is that I've seen this, this group of players just not put in a solid performance when we've need to at Vicarage Road. And we can't. there's no way you're going to stay up by s- scraping away results here and there, unfortunately. But who knows, it's football. We, do, we need that confidence. It's a real shame that we've got Liverpool next, but... Yeah. All we need is a good performance at Liverpool. If we had a good performance and we come away from it without getting battered 5 or 6 nil, I think there'll be positivity. And then that Leeds game is absolutely massive. I mean, one thing that I would have preferred in our running is if we had more teams like Southampton who are on the beach, your Crystal Palaces, teams like that. And I think that might have helped us where they might not have put the work rate in. But unfortunately, for the evidence I've seen this season... I'm not confident to say we can turn those home winnable fixtures into wins. I don't I don't know why that is. It'd be interesting to see what you guys think in terms of why we've been so bad at home. And if you compare that to last season, I think we had the best home record in England or something crazy like that. Um is it is it the fans? Is there too much pressure? No, I mean, there's, there's so many factors that play a part into those sorts of things. Obviously, you can look at the psychological side. There's generally, when you look at home records being positive, a lot of the time it has down has, is down to kind of routine, comfort, and in, in preparation and so on. Uh, I think in this one, um, yeah, I think it could be pressure. 
it could be it could be a mixture of that. It could also be the way that teams play when they come to Vicarage Road. Uh, I think when when we go away, we 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 are a predominantly counter-attacking team, and we do have a little bit more pressure on us away from home. Maybe maybe when we're playing at Vicarage Road, teams can be a little bit tighter at times, and that might just restrict us and make it harder. Uh, I think also too, you know, some of the we haven't won as many as we'd like to at home, but I think also just not the amount of draws we haven't been able to pick up in the. In the first stage of the season really hurt us. The fact that we haven't been able to get back into games has been really, really critical, uh, really, really poor and really, really difficult for us to overcome. There's not a huge goal. I mean, look, just to put it in perspective right now, if you look at the table, you're looking up at Southampton, we just played. They've only got two more wins than us this season. The difference between the two teams is we've drawn four and they've actually managed to draw 11. And that's that's what we've just not been able to stay close enough in these games to get ourselves back into it. Obviously, we've conceded a fair few, but just not being in, in that touching distance, not having the quality to kind of get back into those games you go down in. Um, you look all the way at the table, it's not till you get to, to ninth that you're really looking at the teams that have got significantly more wins than us. Southampton, eight. Palace, seven. Leicester are on nine wins. But, you know, these are all teams that are around us and we, we just haven't really been able to... to to replicate their their results in terms of uh, keeping matches tight and drawing games. So I think that's one of the biggest things. I, I'm not expecting us to win a ton at home in the first season back in the Premier League, but um, it is a bit it is a bit strange, a bit frustrating to to not have that that home form, especially when we kind of came became used to to good performances at home. Uh, we really built it into into a really you know, positive placing. Was it our best ever home record for a season? I can't recall. It was very close though, at least. Um, and now we've kind of gone down to our worst in in, in the course of it. It's one season we're suddenly at our worst point. So, look, it's frustrating. And I think it makes it a very difficult time to be a Watford fan, especially if you kind of go into home matches predominantly. It's it's, uh, it's incredibly difficult. But I think it's something we have to see turn around. Uh, and we have to see wins start coming. Whether it's home or away, we just have to be picking up these three points. It's not just the losses that uh, have disappointed Watford fans, though. It's also the, the fact that we've almost... Um you know, replicated the season that we had when we went down uh, in a way that we haven't seemingly learned lessons from the past. And I think that is something that um, that's aggravated uh, Watford fans. Uh, do you know what I'm sort of alluding to there, Charlie? Absolutely. When you look at the season we went down um, and you look at the managers, even the profile of managers, it looks like exactly the same. Yeah, um, it's it's crazy, and that would just suggests that no, they haven't. The owners haven't learned um, their lessons. I mean, personally, I think the big issue, and the reason we haven't been as good as we ca- we could have been, has been the head coach decisions. Um, I might be in a minority, but I actually think our recruitment it might not be the success rate might not be as high as it needs to be. I think getting players like Dennis Cucho, Jao Pedro, um, Kamara, Samir, I think solid enough. I think our recruitment's one of our one of our USPs really. I just think the head coach decisions have continued to be bad and it's just destabilizes us. Like Jordan said about the contrast of being one of the best teams at home to be one of the worst teams at home, that's similar to um we were defensively one of the best teams last season and we didn't really score many goals, did we? There was a lot of one nils and edging games out. This season, complete opposite where we were conceding loads of goals um, and sorry, we're scoring quite a few goals but we're still conceding loads. So, it's, I think that just becomes the lack of consistency within the club, whether that's the head coach, the constant changing. Um, but I think those home games is the disappointing things have just been the damp squib that they've been where the game looks over, there's no fight, there's no energy. I think 
the Chelsea game was the last one. I know we lost, but we actually showed a bit of fight in that game. And I think on another day we could have we could have even won. But there's so many games that have just been burnt where our attitude and our application has just not been good enough. Chelsea and Man City comes to mind for me. Yeah, we were we were decent in that team. We Probably our best performance against Man City in recent times, and it's just frustrating to see that same team uh, look kind of so far off from that just, uh, just a few months later. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's not it's not it's not been great, has it? But we we knew we knew it'd be hard. We knew it'd be hard. You know, it's a it's a huge step the the, the Premier League from from the Championship. But I think everyone felt as though it we would be. I don't know, more ready for it, just based on the fact that we'd, we'd had that experience previously. The, the words that came out from the from, from Scott Duxbury were, um, you know, positive. And, and, and we were able to sort of get behind it and go, yeah, no, you're right. We've, we've made mistakes, but, but we, um, we're going to go into this one and, uh, and approach it in a very different way. But it just doesn't seem as though that's, that's occurred. I mean, um, one of one of his statements that keeps getting thrown back at him is, of course, that the fact that we were going to try and, you know, look towards younger players. But it, it didn't seem as though that was what happened with the recruitment, did it? No, it's uh, it's it's gone back to you know much more similar approach to what we've seen previously. You kind of looking for value in some in some more senior veterans and just trying to find you know these players that are in favourable contract situations we can pick up and hopefully get some little bit of added added value we obviously have a couple of outliers there with loser we paid a little bit of a fee for um but yeah it's it's tough and i understand there's also kind of lots of elements to 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 work with there and having to fight against the kind of covid market as well so that's one thing but like it's just uh it's a difficult one to to quantify in one one conversation there's so many aspects to it but there are definitely things that we, we need to see uh need to see improve for sure Having said that, though, from a recruitment point of view, you have to look at Dennis as being, you know, a masterstroke to bring somebody in, you know, of that quality for such a low fee. And potentially, you know, in just in terms of a balance sheet, they 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 might have ended up, um, you know, coming away and saying we've, we've had a great uh, recruitment because we've been able to make a, a decent profit. This is all speculative of course based on what we what we think may happen but i mean it would be hard to you know uh, disagree with the fact that uh, that dennis has made himself a much more than a, a three or four million pound player now yeah i just think you have to if you if you if you're looking at recruitment in a team sport like that's you're looking at um the overall impact positive and negative you think if you focus on one player as positive he's been as he's been i think we've i don't think any team in the league has relied on one on one player more for for goal involvement than, than we have with Dennis so clearly he's been he's been extremely useful for us and, and crucial to any positive we've had this season but uh, you still have to identify the negatives and, and, and the misses too they still kind of go against you as, as well as much as Dennis goes goes for you uh, we need to see kind of how this how the recruitment on the, on the whole has impacted the team in a positive and negative way and whilst Dennis has uh, has done a great job for us and has continued to do so for, throughout the course of the season. There have still been some drawbacks we have to kind of take into consideration and, and assess as a team and work out kind of what went wrong and, and how we can do better going forwards and just hoping them, that the, the team is, is open enough and the communication is there to, to really be able to analyse these things properly and then really break down and see how they can do better next season and just going forward in general because we need to we need to change we need to change approach a little bit we need to consolidate a little bit more and try and work out a, a more 
it's, it's hard because you're never going to hit on everyone, but you just have to have more of a route uh, in, in terms of our recruitment rather than the kind of slightly scattered approach we've had recently. He's also been the main source of our nutmegs as well. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to lose him just on the basis that I like being king of the world in nutmegs. It bumps the value a little bit, it does. <laughs> if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All right, then let's move on to some questions now. And uh, the first one comes from a fan of the show, Dorita, who is asking, perhaps a bit tonning cheek, uh, if Kucho is progressing at this rate, when will he become the next Messi? Now, um, <laughs> I, I, know what, I know what she's saying. She's basically saying, you know, Kucho is becoming ever more increasingly important to us. Um, you know, is he going to become uh, maybe so big that, um, you know, he may be not involved next season when perhaps we all kind of had him down as being one of those that we could rebuild around next year? I think unless he goes on a good goal-scoring run until the end of the season, um, 
and we do go down, I, I do envision him being at the club next season in the Championship or, or the Premier League. I think he's got loads of ability. He's still young. Um, I'm not sure about the next Messi, but I think <laughs> if, I think he can be a, a, a real asset to us. Um, and that's one of those things that I've tried to be getting my head around. If we do go into uh, the Championship and you look at our squad, if we can keep hold of someone like Loser as well, we've got Aspria coming in as well. Um, is he yeah, Colombian yeah. too? Yeah, he yeah. is. Yes. So um, that that could be exciting. I feel like we were, we were doing that last year at Jal Pedro, but I really like Cucho. He showed his worth. Um, he's, I think he's a bit of a fan's favourite. And who knows, if he gets loads of game time now and he, he gets another four or five goals in the Premier League, he might get that chance at a bigger club. Yeah, I think that's pretty That's pretty fair. Um, he's, he's obviously had um, a great uh, last couple of games if we take out Wolves where he... You know he scored again, but unfortunately in the wrong in the wrong end that time. But uh, you know he's he's definitely uh, blossomed over the course of the season. To be fair, you know in the spells that he's he's been on the pitch, um, he's you know developed I think, and and certainly has improved. And and you know that uh, amazing overhead kick is something that I'm going to personally cherish for for a long time. I think that's one of the best goals that I, I may have seen in a in a Watford show. It really, it really is that that good and. Um, I think he become he can become a big player for Watford, but I, I I don't think that he's kind of at the level yet where a Premier League team is going to, you know, pay the kind of money that we would put the valuation on him at this moment in time. I don't know. You'd agree with that one, Jordan? It feels like he's been around for a long time, even though he hasn't been at Watford. But the fact he's still 22, obviously there's a lot of room there. I don't think he'll be in a particular rush to move. I think it suits both parties to, um, to kind of stay together and, and, and kind of, try this uh, experiment out a little bit longer and he's finally got to Watford now, a place that he can kind of showcase his football in England and, and see how he, how he progresses from there. Um, God, it's kind of depressing as I was looking through some player ages there, just seeing that Joao Pedro was born in 2001 just makes me feel incredibly <laughs> old. Wow. When, it comes to, when it comes to years where you like you actually have lots of memories from, you know, it's, uh, it's sad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, moving on to uh, Richard Steeden who has asked a few questions, so we'll uh, go through these uh uh, as individuals so um first one does Sar come straight back in if fit what do you reckon personally yeah. i think i think he does i think one thing that Sar does that maybe our other attackers don't do and this could be seen as a positive or a negative um is that he he draws he draws the opposition to him the minute he's on that starting lineup they've got a plan for him they they're either doubling up which is creating space for Dennis and King um and he has got that quality. You saw when he went to Senegal, having not played for months, he still made a big impact for them. Um, I think he's one of the most talented players that's ever played for Watford. It's another question, have we got the best out of him? I'm not too sure, but I think he's got that quality. I think he scares opposition. Um, and I think he's got to play when when fit. Yeah, definitely for me as well. He's you know he's he's amazing, isn't he? Uh, he he's he's been all I'd say out of form for uh, for a few games, and and you know that's been disappointing. But when he's on it, he um you know he's, he's unplayable, isn't he? I mean the, the 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 pace he possesses is unreal, and um you know he he certainly is um a, a leading light who should should be straight back into the team as soon as he's available. The second question from Richard is um. How good will Cucho be in the championship? Um, we've kind of already already mentioned this, but I guess 
if he does manage um, to to stay with us in the championship, which we we think is is quite likely if we do go down, um, I, yeah, I think I think he's only go he's only going up in, in one direction, isn't he, guys? I think it's just more exposure, more more time playing, similar to what we saw with Jao Pedro. I think it would just allow him to develop a little bit more, uh, try a different type of football, um, different kind of pace in in terms of fixtures. Uh, and just experiment with something different. I think the fact that he'll be starting most likely, or at least be playing more minutes, would would be beneficial for him. And uh, yeah, it's an incredibly tough, tough league to play. And I don't just mean physically; I mean from a from every standard, every standpoint, it's, it's a it's a tough challenge. So I think it would do him uh, a lot of a lot of favours. Brilliant. And then a uh, third question from him is: uh, longer term, what is the point of our under twenty three and academy setup if we're not going for category one status? Should we not abandon the whole thing, Jordan? I'll throw this one straight to yourself. Yeah, it's a it's a placeholder. Um, you you feel that you feel the quota of having the players necessary. Every now and then, you might you might catch a, a a bit of a gem there, but most of the time, it's is to have a view of of some players that might have some potential. Um, you might look at it as a as a way to kind of bring in a small amount of income if you have some players there that that show some quality in the in the lower leagues and there's a couple of fees that come in. You might you might break even, might make a little bit of money, uh, and also it's a way to to integrate players returning from uh, from injury. We don't take the the under twenty three seriously as a uh, a route to to bring through competitive players to the first team. Very few clubs do. Uh, and, and teams that do that, as you say, are looking more for Category 1 status and often they're moving away from the uh, the under-23 league uh, kind of structure and, and finding other avenues because unfortunately it's not a competitive standard. Um, I, I have spent a fair amount of time in my life going to under-23 games for various reasons and it's it's always it can be a real mixed bag in terms of quality and uh, and competition. It's, it's, often, it's often not the best. So I think that the fact that we're staying away from the 23 system um premier league is not a necessarily a negative thing it, it's all kind of based on how we or what else we do to, to progress from there but as i said it's not currently a, a main focus of the, of the club to to invest in youth and try and bring players through the academy also when when watford do get uh exciting talent through the doors other clubs are, are aware of that and they they poach them don't they i mean just look at Jaden sancho yeah, but you're limited in the types of contracts you can sign these kids to, so they've always got the chance of expiring and and moving on. It's one of the difficulties where you know this is why you have that trickle down loan effect where players sign for a bigger club and then they get loaned down the table because they can't instantly go to these lower league teams as much. Well, they can, but obviously there's less security in doing so. It's much safer to get signed by the bigger teams, um, get a bigger signing on bonus, and then uh, have a little bit more security. You know, it's just. It's just the way it's going to be until until things change. But as you said, you can't invest too much in, in, into the assets at, at that age because you are so limited on what you can tie them down to contractually. And they've always had the opportunity to to move on to to a situation which suits them better. And they, they have to think about themselves from that individual standpoint. And, and that's just the way it happens. So you are seeing more and more clubs move away from that, from that model. It's disappointing though, isn't it? I mean, we all want a... Uh you know, a homegrown player to come through so we can sing, you know, he's one of our own and, and get the kind of emotions that we got when the likes of um, Sean Murray played, for example. Uh, you know, feeling like this is someone that we've brought through the academy and we've been able to, you know, showcase him now. I mean, I suppose we've got the possibility that maybe um, uh, Joseph Hungbo could potentially be that that next one, but it's, it's going to be very few and far between, isn't it? Just because the, the, the gap in... In quality there between the first team and the under twenty threes. I think this might be one of the downsides of um, the Pozzo ownership um, 
obviously they have not got the money that maybe a Manchester City or a Chelsea, well, maybe not Chelsea now, but Manchester City would have who can put resources into the academy, put a foundation to produce players like City have done with Foden, McAtee, um, little David Silvers. Um, obviously, Pozos don't have that resource and that they're concentrating on trying to make us a Premier League team, which is fair enough. And we've enjoyed the success of that for the last, what, six, six seven years. So it's a real shame. It, it was great when Sean Murray burst onto the scene <laughs> and was banging in free kicks. I think that's one thing that we're going to have to stomach that where we are, especially location, any talent that we produce are going to be snapped up by a, a Chelsea or I know Manchester City signed in one of our left-backs, Tom Galvez, as recently. So it's a real shame. I just think that's something that we're going to have to, we're going to, have to swallow as Watford fans. Yeah. To be fair, though, we, we do it as well, though, don't we? We, we, we take we take players from smaller clubs and, and you know, we can't be all, um, you know, oh, worries, worries us because, you know, we do exactly the same thing, but just on a different level, don't we? It happens at every single level. It's just it's the way things are. There's very few teams now that, that nurture and develop their own their own youth players through to the first team. There's a couple of examples. You mentioned Phil Ford and the City there, but, you know, you look at any of these teams, even the bigger teams, Man City, Chelsea, the, a lot of these clubs are picking up these players from other teams' academies and just doing it a little bit of a, a more premature stage rather than taking them from the club themselves um, at a senior level. So, but as you said there, Matt, we all everyone does it. It's just kind of a... It's just the way it's just the way the game is, and the system's not going to change for a little while yet. So you just kind of have to make the most of it whilst you can, really. Okay, uh, that was a good question. Thank you very much, uh, Richard, for for all of those. Uh, let's move on to a question from Hanson Ho now, uh, another friend of the show. He says, "Who will finish seventeenth, and how many points will they get?" Good question. That is a good question. I mean, um, I don't know. I... My my gut feeling unfortunately is that Everton have got enough quality that they are going to get some home wins and they'll be the team finishing 17th. They're on a a massive downwards trajectory at the moment and a lot of people are tipping them to be relegated but when I look through that team of Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison um, Decore who we obviously know I think and that Goodison if they start seeing some positivity they're, they're all still behind Frank Lampard um, unfortunately, I think Everton are just gonna just gonna sneak it. Um, I'm trying to think of points, but I'm not too sure. They've got three games good. in hand, don't they? As well, yeah, they've got three games in hand. I, I wouldn't want to put a points tally on it, but unfortunately, my gut is telling me that Everton will be 17th. Under 40 points though for 17th. Oh, 100. Yeah, it's gonna be, be, yeah. it's gonna be, be a it's gonna be a low it's gonna uh, be a low one this season. Yeah, 36, 36, 34. 38, something like that. Yeah. What, what's, the, what's the lowest total? I know you might know anyone knows this at the top of their head, but what is the lowest points total of a surviving team in the Premier League? Does anyone know? I'm looking well, one thing that was really interesting, which I saw this week, I don't know if you guys know Matt Furness from uh, the Analyst, up to the Analyst. Um, he did a graph comparing uh, the points tally from Roy Hodgson's season at Fulham when he went in after the same amount of games. And we currently have. Uh, more points than Fulham did, and they stayed up at that point. I think they went on a run and won four four out of their last six or something mad like that. But if if Roy Hodgson, if his theories take a bit more time, and we're going to see a bit more of the Hodgson ball that we've been hearing about, maybe just maybe we could get over the line. 
All right, I'm going to say uh, Watford to finish 17th and we'll have 37 points. There you go. There's the optimist answer for you there. For, for those of you who still have some hope. I, I think I, I think my hope was broken after Wolves, but it's been rekindled a little bit after Southampton. That's what it's like as a Watford fan, isn't it? It's up and down. You just, you have to believe. Otherwise, why tune in to watch it, right? Yeah. So just that, just to cut in there, it was West Brom with 34 points at the, the lowest ever uh, tally to survive. That was their, obviously their great escape season in, I think it was 04, 05. Yeah, 04, 05. So yeah, 34 points, so 12 points more. Interestingly, Hansen agrees with you, Charlie. He says Everton, uh, he doesn't think they're as bad as they are currently playing and he thinks that they will finish in the low 40s. So um, that's interesting. Um, right, another question. This one from Matt Gom. Uh, Even though we've been terrible, is it the most edge of your seat season we've had in years? Just when you think we've hit rock bottom, there's a result that gives us slight hope. I know exactly what you're talking about, Matt. I know exactly what you're talking about. Charlie? I'm not too sure edge of my seat has been how I, how I describe the season. Tense, I think, would be the word. I um, can't remember a game, even against Man United when we won 4-1. That was tense. They scored early in the second half and we scored two late goals. I can't remember many games where we've done the job and we were seeing the game out perfectly. Um, I've been impressed, actually, defensively against Villa and Southampton where we have stood up against... Do you know what I mean? Some quality opposition and had to sort of fight fight to keep keep those goals out. Um I would say edge of the seat, I, I would say tense, but um I think one thing that that would be great if we can stay in touch. I don't let's have a look at our last couple of games towards the end of the season. I don't think it's that favourable. We've got Palace away, Leicester and Chelsea. I think we're gonna we're gonna need a bit, bit of a gap before we get into those games. But I would be shocked, con- considering how we've played this season, if we're still in touch for like, the last game, <laughs> the, uh, we've done well, considering our performances. Nice. Um, next one then, this one from Peter Elson. Uh, we kind of mentioned this already, but we'll, we'll, we'll ask the question, will Nkulu ever play for Watford again? Yeah, I think he will. Uh, I think the fact that he's climbed back and he's, he's been integrated back in that on the 23 setup. Um, making making an appearance and kind of rebuilding that fitness, testing out the injury and, and make sure he's up to speed. I think he I think he will be in, in the team and I think there's, there's a good chance that we see him uh, see him favoured at some point before the end of the season as a, as a partner uh, alongside most likely Samir. Mm, I'm not too sure. I haven't seen enough of him. He was really he's really good against Arsenal. That was one of the questions I was I was keen to hear from you guys. Who who are our best? Um, who would be the starting centre-backs. But um, I'm just not convinced by any of them. Even Samir, <laughs> sometimes he has a great game. Old Trafford, I was there at Old Trafford. He was really, really good. But some of the goals and some of the mistakes he's made as well. So um, I haven't seen enough of Nkulu, really. I'll, I'll go with Jordan's judgment if if he thinks he's solid. When I have seen him play, like I said, against the Arsenal game, really astute, really calm on the ball, play plays the ball out from the back. He doesn't just give away possession. So, um, and if Cathcart is droppable, which obviously he is, unless he had a slight knock, but if Cabaselli's coming in, then maybe we will see Nkulu come back in. Yeah. We haven't mentioned True Stekong either. He's, um, he's, he's, he's fit again, right? Yeah, I believe he's available. Yeah. So um, another one that uh, isn't being favoured at the minute. 
Um, in terms of injury news, we're also, uh, we believe, I think Peter Atibo is um, is available again. Is that right? Yeah, he made a substitute appearance, didn't he? Was it against Wolves? He came on. Yeah. Yeah, he did. I, you know, I, <laughs> I'm, I've, I've tried so hard to forget. Um, well, yeah, I mean, well, that's good news, isn't it? I mean, we, we all quite liked him before he, uh, you know, picked up that injury. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's definitely good to have him back, and it's just another option for us uh, in a situation we need all the options we can have at our disposal. So probably good. Nice. Uh, there's one more question that we've got, um, which we probably won't be able to answer today, but I wanted to ask it anyway, so that we we basically name Chechi Paul because um, you sent in a, a decent question, which I think we'll put on a future pod. But the question was, what would your Pozzo era British, African, and South American versus rest of the world 11s look like, and who would win that match? I, I would probably need to do some research before I even <laughs> could answer that one. Get the pen and paper. Get the pen and paper out. Be creative. Get the formation. Yeah, that make for a. A, a, a good podcast, that. Yeah, put a pin in that. Maybe we'll, we'll address that on, on, a, on an upcoming podcast. We'll include that as a little bit more time to think about it, rather than hearing us stutter and on the side <laughs> in the, in, on the on the cut off the cuff. So definitely. Uh, any other questions that uh, you guys had or you, you got in or you wanted asked or anything you wanted to mention? I did get one. I did get one in actually from Mark asking um, opinions on Emmanuel Dennis. Is he the real deal or is he not? Um, this is an interesting one, actually. I do think it's it's one worth discussing. Obviously, we've seen lots of um, lots of output from from Dennis, lots of positives. We've also seen some negatives too. He, he's definitely a little bit of a diamond in the rough. There's still some refining to be done there, um, and it'd be interesting to see. I, I personally am. I'm not entirely sure. There's still there's still something which feels very not off. I'm just not. I'm not convinced that he's. Uh, that he has the quality talent level that someone like Ismail Sard does. I think he's a very good player, um, but I, I, it's hard to uh, to judge these players and just kind of put this purple patch of form um, and really kind of have a good understanding. I think he, he plays in such an unorthodox manner too. It's sometimes hard to assess that sort of player as well. The way he operates is a little bit different. So I can see why people have that opinion. I think it's still a situation where you kind of have to reserve judgment, really. Obviously, he's he's done so well for us this season. You, you don't want to be harsh on him and, and say that he's a, a fraud or anything like that. But he's um, he's certainly someone which will take a little bit more watching to get a, a better understanding of what kind of real ceiling he has, I think, as a player. Yeah, uh, it's obviously going for a bit of a, um, you know, patch that sometimes strikers go through at the minute where he's, he's not been able to, to, to grab a goal. But we've seen already this season what kind of a player he is. Uh, he's He's got um, dynamism and, and, you know, he, he knows how to finish. And, um, you know, he's impressed me this season. I, I, I can't I can't deny. I will state, though, that I think he maybe could look for the pass when, when perhaps uh, it's on and maybe he'll choose to shoot instead. I, I, I don't know what a better way of describing that is. But His decision-making needs to yeah. improve. There we go. His decision making is improved. Thanks, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Do you want to come in as well? What was your opinion? I love Emmanuel Dennis just because I think he's box office. Um, from the start of the season when we signed him, I said this guy is going to be fun. I've done a thread on, on Twitter every time he's done something mad. Um, I think he's a I think he's a bit of a confidence player. Some of the finishes he's pulled out this season, I think, has been really surprising. I didn't think he had that quality, but he is inconsistent. I don't think he's been. I don't think he's been great for a while. Um, bad, some making some poor decisions. Um, I think he's missed some good chances as well, especially one against Brighton where he hit the crossbar. Um, but I love him because I think he's so entertaining. I think if, if if we can get 20, 30 million from him, 
from signing him for three million, I think that'd be a good bit of business. And he's given us a lot of times cheering and some fun this season. So yeah, I, I love Emmanuel Dennis. Cool, great answer there. Charlie, thanks very much. Um, I think we're going to wrap that up now. There's no more reviews to bring you. If you would like to uh, review the show, though, and we do love reviews and we will read them out on the show, uh, please head to the podcast section of Apple Podcasts and you can put a uh, one, two, three, four or five star review and you can write uh, a little comment as well about why you think the show is great. Uh, You can also join us on Patreon as well if you would like to listen to the show without any adverts. Um, And uh, there's a bit of extra content there as well which um, we, we, we occasionally put up. So um, we'd very much love you to, to join us there. Um, Charlie, I'd like to thank you very much for coming on and summing in for Tom. Uh, he must have been gardening today, I imagine. No, it's been great. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, hopefully speak to you guys soon. And hopefully we can be reacting to more Watford wins and see, see what happens at the end of the season. Yeah, I'm not sure if we'll get one against Liverpool, but uh, I, live in, I, live in, I live in hope. <laughs> 1999. That's right. Tommy, Mooney, Tommy Mooney, bring it back. Yeah, no, good point, good point. And and I like that reference because I thought you were going to go for the um, the home games that we had in uh, in the Premier League seasons not so long ago. But you're right, yeah, 99. Yeah, that was a great one, wasn't it? Um, Jordan, thank you once again uh, for, for joining us as well. It's always lovely to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me again. And also, Matt, you say there's no reviews. You did actually get an in-person review, didn't you, at the game last week? I think Matt was was, was spotted as the as the celebrity that he's now become uh, through podcast fame, and you actually had an interaction with the fan in the flesh. So we will give a <laughs> shout-out to the person that called out Matt. And if you do see Matt at Vicarage Road or in the away end at some time, please go out to him and uh, and say hello and let him know what a, uh, what a good job he does on, on the show. And, uh, yeah, he's always appreciating hearing from you guys, as we all are. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know about snaps. You give him a signature or just a just a little conversation? <laughs> <laughs> Sign the shirt. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, selfie. <laughs> Actually, that's that's something we should. If if you can get your sign, if you can get your shirt signed by Matt, that would be that's that's the next task. That's a free. I don't know. We can give away some sort of subscription to Patreon or something if you can get a signed shirt by Matt. That's the goal. That's the goal. Want to see it? I'll, I'll give them away. I'll give them away. Just let no. Me I know you give them away, but I want to see. I want someone to actually have the. <laughs> I want someone to be willing to have your signature on their shirt. <laughs> I don't know if anyone would want that. I'd have to pay them to do that's, it. Well, that's, that's it. Let's find out. I want yeah. to see it. First person with the sign, Matt Mess on the shirt, wins. Let's go. All right. Good stuff. Well, if you want one of those, uh, you, can, you can get in touch. <laughs> I'm sure my... my, my <laughs> no, it's got to be at the game. It's got to be in person. Oh, they can't contact <laughs> oh. you. They've got to find you. Just carry a Sharpie the next time you're going to Vicar Drive. All right. Okay. I'll do it. I'll do it. All right, then. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, we've enjoyed it. We'll be back um, after the uh, Liverpool game to comment on, hopefully, uh, a positive result. Um, but, you know, we, uh, we can we can come away from here with a little bit more uh, hope maybe after that dreadful Wolves performance because we've got three points on the board and we've got some big games still left to play. It's certainly not over yet. Come on, you Bye-bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.